0: Yeah, talk to those guys who made that. They needed to end it with a, lights come on. It's me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. You guys ready for some good news? Good, because that's what I got this morning. Um, I know I need it, uh, and so this has been a very fitting passage that we're going to cover today. Go ahead and turn to uh, Second Thessalonians chapter two. It's page eleven eighty-five. If you're using the Bible, there. In the uh, chairs around you, uh, <clears throat> so yeah. Again, thank you, everybody who prayed for us as we were gone. Um, appreciate you guys being here, even though when the pastor, preaching pastor, leaves, a lot of times the rest of the church go, "Well, I guess we don't have to go to church." <laughs> um, but not you guys. You guys were here last week, and appreciate Pastor Forrest uh, teaching and being up here for that. Um, he's such a nice guy, isn't he? He's just like super nice. Um, he's the pastoral care pastor, so like it's this perfect, uh, perfect personality for that. Anyways, um, so I, you know I don't know about you guys, but uh, we've had four people, four very close friends of ours in the last five weeks or so pass away. One, of course, was my dad, um, and <laughs> so it's it's just you know each of them had uh, accepted Christ as their Savior, so we know they're with Him in heaven, but it's still that you know a sadness when you you lose a friend and um, <clears throat> and seeing him go through the the challenges leading up to uh, their eventual uh, eventual death and um, And so I know some of you all have had people um, pass away in your lives here recently as well. Um, we also know people in our church who are going through difficult times, um, challenges that they're facing people in our church walking with those individuals, which, again, I just want to thank our church family. Uh, You guys are so good at doing that. It's exactly what God wants us to do. Um, But you guys walk with others who are going through difficult times. And so we have people who want to do life God's way and and doing it that way. You know, it's new to some of them. They don't know what it means. They think life is supposed to be lived a certain way because they've always lived it that way. And so now they're finding out, hey, God has a different way of doing life. It's a better way of doing life, but it's hard to do. And then on top of that, they're having family members pushing back against them and giving them a difficult time uh, as they're trying to do that. Other people are dealing with health issues. And we just got a lot of stuff going on. It's supposed to be the holidays, right? And we're all just kind of weighed down, not just with all the turkey we ate. I, I, got, I grabbed a cold um, on the way back from Chicago. It's just a cold. Um just so you know, it's just a cold. Anyways, and um so Thursday I'm my head's packed full and my stomach's packed full, I'm laying there just in misery, like, why did I do this to myself? Um uh, anyways, enough about me. Um but it's a great time to be looking at these these verses and it's uh appropriate time in Paul's letter. So this is the second letter he's written to these Christians who live in the town of Thessalonica. Um which today the town is called Thessaloniki. Uh, So the town is still there um, after all these years. uh, Just pronounced a little bit different. But you have these uh, new believers we've been talking about for several weeks now, and they're doing life God's way. They're doing it right. Uh, They're sacrificing for each other. They're they're helping people through the difficult times. Uh, They're sharing the gospel with people, and as they're sharing the gospel, they've got government agencies. They've got friends and family who are persecuting them and pushing back on what they're doing. and uh, So some are being arrested, some are being jailed or being harassed or losing their jobs. Family members and friends are rejecting them. And Paul knew that they needed a reminder of some of the incredible truths that God has for us. And so in 2 Thessalonians, after praising them in chapter 1 and then letting them know, hey, by the way, those who are persecuting you, God's going to handle them. God's going to take care of those who are persecuting you. Hang in there. Do what God's called you to do. Chapter 2, he says ultimately God's going to deal with them in this time of this tribulation period that we talked about, uh, which is still future to us as well. And then he gets to these encouraging verses in chapter 2, and we're going to look at 13 through 17. And so if you're a Christian here this morning. I want to challenge you, especially if you're going through some difficult times, whether it's health issues, financial issues, or just trying to do life God's way, and it's a struggle for you. You got people pushing back on you because you're trying to do it God's way. You know, I I just want to encourage you. Listen very closely to these verses. All right, don't pass out. Don't let the turkey get to you. Stay focused and listen in. Don't start thinking. How could I heat up that turkey in a different way at lunchtime? Don't do that. Just focus in. If you're not a Christian, if you're here this morning and you don't even really know about who Jesus Christ is or you kind of do or you think you do, uh, whether you think of him as in a good way or in a bad way, if you think maybe that you've accepted him in the past but you're really not sure today, whatever the case, you need to listen even closer because these are some incredible verses that God wants us to know. God had Paul write these things Because he wants us to know about some incredible truth that he wants us to know and to live by and to experience in our lives. So let me, after setting it up like that, and again, uh, if you're a first-time attender, uh, these are not necessarily, all these other words are not necessarily in the Bible. What I do when I'm reading the Bible, I ask questions. I don't read it like it's a newspaper. I don't read it like it's an internet uh, website I, I read it and i 'm asking questions because it 's from God, and so I want to ask God questions as Holy Spirit uh, studying it out gives me you know answers as I studied out, not like word, not a voice out of thought oh, well Harold, uh, that was a great question. Let me tell you about what I mean no, just from studying the Bible, get understanding but anyway, so he says, so just after getting done saying hey there 's going to be this antichrist guy he 's going to lead the world and and god 's going to do some things, he's going to judge the world and those that are rejecting who Christ is. He says, but we should always give thanks to God for you. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.18, one of those mini verses that says, you know, thank God in all things, right? Uh, here I'll be a paraphrase, but so he's thanking God for them. Brethren beloved by the Lord. Why? Why are they beloved? Because God has chosen you From the beginning for salvation, through sanctification, it's a big theological word that we'll break down for you, by the Spirit and faith in the truth. So it takes both. If you want to experience salvation that God offers, it takes two things, and that is God the Holy Spirit working in you through your faith in the truth that God gives us. It was for this, this sanctification, salvation sanctification, He called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. So as you continue to do life God's way, as you get out there and work for Christ, in other words, live life God's way, and as you share who he is and what he's doing in your life and sharing the gospel with people, God will comfort and strengthen you. So, no matter what you're going through, the first thing is here that he says here is that if you've placed your faith in Christ, you are beloved by the Lord. Beloved. Now, we don't use that word. I know I don't walk up to Kim and say, hello, beloved. She'd probably... Slap me, because that's just, you know, we just don't talk that way. So what what does this word mean? It means in the Greek, it means to have a warm regard for somebody or, or an interest in another. It means to cherish somebody, to have affection for. You ever thought that God would have affection for you? That he would cherish you? But he does. That's what the Bible tells us. No matter what you're going through, no matter the frustration that you're going through, God cherishes you. He has great affection for you. Why is, why is that important to know? Because he doesn't do anything in your life to hurt you. You might have struggles. You might have difficulties. You, you may have some things in your life that you don't really like to be going through, but that's not God allowing that into your life to hurt you. That's God allowing it into your life so that you will turn to Him and depend on Him. We, we, got, we have two kind of big lies that we've bought into, especially here in the United States. One lie is that we think, well, being, um, being mature as a person means that you are independent of your parents. And all of us who have raised kids are like, yes, that's right. Kids, be independent. You know, be on your own. We've got enough to support ourselves. And so we're, we're excited when our kids grow up and become adults and start doing the adulting things, and, and they're on their own, independent of us. But when it comes to spiritual maturity, never in the Bible does it say that we are to become independent of God. We don't start making it on our own. Spiritual maturity is just the opposite. It's total dependence on God. It's becoming more and more dependent on God. And so the things that we're dealing with in our lives God allows there because he's saying, here's an area where you're not depending on me. So here's an opportunity. And so he gives us, and we get through that. It may take us some time, but we finally get through that. And then lo and behold, we're going along, and all of a sudden poof, something else comes into our life. What's that there for? Well, it's another area we're not depending on God. And so here's another opportunity for us to learn what it means to depend on God. Spiritual maturity is us fully depending on who God is. The second area that we've bought into a lie, and it's this. We believe, especially we who are in the United States, that life is supposed to be easy. That if life is not easy, something must be wrong. I'm telling you, that is not true. It's never been true. I know, I'm trying to, this is supposed to be encouraging. But it's never been true. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, life has been hard. This world is filled with sin and the effects of sin. Life is hard. We're not supposed to last forever on this earth. There's not going to be something that allows us to be here forever. We don't want to be here forever. This world is hard. There are health issues, there are financial issues, there are relationship issues. A lot of times, you know, we do this when we're raising our kids. We don't allow our kids to deal with difficult times. We're always saving them. Well, if we constantly save our kids, if our kids mess up and they make a bad choice and then we come in and we try to save them, they're never going to learn what it means to, to correct that and then to turn to God for the help that they need from Him. You know, we've got this COVID thing going on. Another variant. Another variant. I'm not making light of it We have a friend of ours Who this past week Who passed away She passed away From complications with COVID I get it, it's real But And I have to be insensitive, But we're going to die From something If the Lord doesn't return We're going to die From something The other My dad died from old age And dementia Another friend of ours Died from Parkinson's Another one died from cancer We're going to die From something Why? Because we're not supposed To live on this earth forever so God allows these things into our lives so we can turn to him because he cherishes us. He's he has affection for it. it's it's more than just sacrificially loving us, which we're going to talk about next. It's it's a, man, I like him. <laughs> I care about him. He cherishes us because he's chosen us for salvation. That's the second thing. You were chosen to be saved by God. Now, i got to spend a little time on this because this freaks people out. Wait, are you saying that God chose me? I had no say in the matter? No, I'm not saying that. I am saying that we were chosen by God from the beginning. So, Because that's what the Bible says. That before He ever created the world, He chose those that He would save. But then... You also have it where it says man needs to exercise his free will Man must choose God We call it a paradox And a paradox is two seemingly opposite truths that are both true And this is one of them I can't explain it I'll be, I, I hate to be able to say that I, But I can't explain it Because I can't explain God fully And none of us want to be able to explain God fully Because if we did we would be God And none of us are God. I mean, you guys are great. But you're not God. I'm not God. How does God reconcile that? I don't know. But God is infinitely powerful. He's infinitely knowledgeable. He he can do anything. And so in his heart, in his mind, he understands how that comes together. And I'm okay with it. And I preach both of them. And that should give us encouragement to know that God, before he ever created this world, had us on his heart and his mind and he was going to do whatever it took to make sure that we didn't have to die and go to hell. And then we heard the message and we accepted it of our own free will. That's what scripture says. But here's the the important key. We didn't choose him, he didn't choose us based on how awesome we are. How talented we are He didn't look at Harold and go Wow Look at that bald head He's got it oh, He's so talented He can do so many neat things He's got a cool accent From Chicago No he its It's not based on us at all So whether you're talented or not talented Whether you're good looking or not good looking Whether you're whatever you think you are Or not whatever you think you are it's not based on that. It's based on the fact that God chose. In fact, look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. So he's writing to these Christians in the city of Corinth. And he says this, For consider your calling, Talking about salvation, brethren, that there were not many of many wise, or not many of you who were wise. So if you're sitting here this morning, you're like, well, I'm not very wise. Awesome according to the flesh not many mighty so you're sitting there you know I'm not very not very strong great awesome not many noble but God has chosen the foolish things of the world so you're sitting there going you know I'm actually kind of a fool awesome you know to shame the wise so he's he's the world looks at Christians and say you're foolish we're the wise ones We there is no God I can't believe you guys would even believe in such a thing. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and despised God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. Why? Why does he choose us? So that no man may boast before God. But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness from God and sanctification from God and redemption from God. So in other words, Jesus, he's our wisdom. He's our righteousness. He's our sanctification, which we'll explain in a little bit. He's our redemption. Why is he all these things? So that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So God chooses us Because we're weak, because we're messed up, because our lives are all in shambles and chaotic and and we're not the people that we, boy, would love to be, he chooses us for that reason. Why? Because that way everybody goes, wow, what an incredible God you have. They don't look at me and go, man, Harold, you're awesome. Well, some do. And I say, no, 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 not me. <laughs> no, they'll don't, they don't, they don't go, wow, you're Harold, you're just so smart, you're so wise. And if they do, the response back is, it's not me. It's God who gives that wisdom. There's times where I'm talking with people, and, and they're going through a difficult time, and I'll start, you know, we'll start looking into God's Word, and we'll start talking about it, and then we'll start kind of coming up with some plans to deal with whatever they're going through. And then I'm thinking to myself, this, this is actually a really good plan. I didn't think of it before. This is a great. That's God kind of working all that out. That's not me. I'm not that smart. I know it's hard to believe, but I'm not that smart. And so God chose you. If you place your faith in Christ, God chose you because of who you are and what you've gone through, the difficult times you've had. Because He wants to then use that. We won't get into it now, but He wants to use that for His purposes, <clears throat> which is the next thing He's talking about here. So God saves us in our messed up lives, but he doesn't want us to stay there. We're not to keep on looking back on the past and remembering the past. Jesus died for all that. Now we're supposed to move on. That's gone. This is our new life. We are changing. That's what sanctification means. It's a big word. You can impress your friends and family members if you want with it. But we are chosen for salvation through sanctification, so this word has, this means to be set aside. It's dedication to the interests of the deity. So, I had a nine o'clock service do this. So when you say the word deity, you have to actually give it a little more deity, because it's a theological word. So, practice. One, two, three. Deity. Yeah, and that, doesn't it feel even good when you do that? Yeah. Deity. So when you're talking to your friends, you know. Yes, we're talking about God who is our deity. Anyways. So we, we have this or being set aside, dedicated. It means to be holy, set apart for God's use or purpose. Now this word has two meanings. They're very similar, and it depends on the context of the passage. But one means a one-time sanctification. So at the point that you place your faith in Christ, God forgives you of your sins, right? He places God, the Holy Spirit, in your life. And at that moment, you are sanctified eternally. You can't lose your salvation, you can't walk out of your salvation. If you're truly saved, you've truly placed your faith in Christ, you have now been eternally set aside for God's purposes. That means for the moment that you place your faith in Christ, until you die and go to heaven, your whole life is to be dedicated to God and how He says to do life. Why? To glorify God, what well, we just got done reading. Not easy. And the, the more that we are unwilling to do it God's way, the bigger the battle is. But then the second part of this, and again, context would tell us what, which one it is, It's this ongoing process. So it's this one-time thing, boom, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I've been sanctified for God's purposes. And then there's this whole, okay, I've got to stop doing life my way and start doing it God's way. I need to put off the old way of doing life, as the Bible says, and put on a new way of doing life, and the more I do that, the more I become like Christ in that sense, and look like Christ, think like Christ, the more I'm sanctified, the closer I become to being conformed to his image, as the Bible says. And I think Paul's talking about the one-time thing here. He's not talking so much about the, the process of sanctification. But once you've done that, now you are sanctified. And so God, because you've chosen for him to save you, now says to you, you're mine, which is a good thing. And now let's start doing life God's way. And when we fight him on that, we're battling with him, and he's going to eventually get his way because he's father, we're child. And he's a good father. He's going to get his way. Philippians 1.6 says that he's going to complete the work in us. He's 100% committed to our spiritual maturity, even when we're not. And so he's going to do whatever it takes to move us along. He's not going to beat us. He's not going to manipulate us. He's not going to threaten us. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He doesn't do that. Oftentimes, it's just letting us sit in the consequences of our decision until we realize, yeah, I need to do it God's way. And it's better for us to do it now rather than go through the battle. Yeah, I remember the times where I obeyed my dad and the times I didn't obey my dad. You know, I shouldn't have gone through the battle. He was, he was right. And with God, he's always right. And us doing that good work doesn't add to our, ensure, you know, ensure our salvation. It's just what we do because we are saved. What God wants us to do. So sanctification is by the Holy Spirit and faith in the truth. So by the Holy Spirit, it's the work of the Holy Spirit God the Holy Spirit God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit he comes in and he removes that sin he indwells us he adopts us into God's family he guarantees our entrance into heaven in fact here's how Paul stated it in Titus and we've talked about this verse quite a bit but it's a great one to bring back you should memorize this one But, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared which is talking about Jesus Christ God the Son he saved us not us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, not good deeds or religious deeds or whatever you think is good, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, which means giving spiritual life, and renewing, which means remodeling, you're tearing out the old and replacing it with new, by the Holy Spirit. Again, Holy Spirit does it. Whom he poured out upon us richly or infinitely, doesn't matter how bad you are or bad you think you are, The Holy Spirit comes in through Jesus Christ our Savior so being justified, declared not guilty by God, by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We get heaven. (coughs) Excuse me. So it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then it's by faith in the truth, our willingness to humble ourselves and say, I can't do it. I can't save myself, which is awesome. It's good to know that we can't do it. And we humbly admit that we are sinful sinners, we're separated from God, and we need him to save us and the truth of that of that salvation is found in the gospel message and I just I took this section out of my dad's uh, the message at my dad's funeral celebration. I don't like to use the word funeral and so here's the gospel and I shared this because we had family members from Norway watching who are not believers. we had people in the audience, family members. Uh, and possibly some friends even who who didn't know Christ. And so my dad wanted me to share this information at his service. And he knew that I wouldn't be shy and I would do it. So I did. So here's point one. God is infinitely holy and just. So if you're thinking I'm going to share the gospel with someone, here it is. God is infinitely holy and just. He can't have sin in his presence. And he's just means he has to judge sin He's got to judge people who break the law. And we want a good judge, right? We talk about this all the time. We've seen what a bad judge can do. Just read the news, right? A guy has felony counts against him. He gets released on a $1,000 bail. And he goes out and he runs over people and kills more people. That man should never have been on their streets. What? Well, because a bad judge let him. We don't like bad judges. Of course, unless it's us, you know, God is not a bad judge. God is a good judge, infinitely just. He will deal with those who break His laws. And all of us are in that position. But the moment we're born, we're born sinners, we commit sin. So we are sin filled. Our debt is against an infinite God, so therefore our debt is infinite. There's nothing you and I can do. There's no good work, no religious thing we can do enough to get rid of an infinite amount of sin against God. But God is also infinitely loving, merciful, and gracious. Loving, that word in the, in the Greek, in this case, means to, to look out for the best of somebody else no matter what it might cost us. And in this case, it costs God the Son, his life. God the Son becomes man. 100% God, 100% man. And he takes the punishment. He didn't commit any sin. But he takes our sin on him and dies on that death, uh, that death on that cross. Because he loves us. It cost him his life. Cost him for a moment, separated from God the Father, which again, not really sure how that works. Because they're one But he does that for us Because he's infinitely merciful And so through believing that Believing that Jesus Christ did that for us And secured our forgiveness And secured our salvation We don't receive This is what mercy is Not receiving what we deserve We don't receive an eternal sentence Death sentence in hell That's wiped away Because Jesus died that eternal death Why? He's infinite He's God he can do that. He's infinitely gracious. So, through believing that Jesus did that for us, then we get what we don't deserve. We get eternity in heaven with Him. And that's what Paul means in the next statement to gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, when Jesus died, He was in the grave, the tomb, the hole in the mountain, whatever you want to call it, for three days. So he's able to die for the sin of every person who had ever lived and will live on this earth. It took him three days, if I put it that way. So he dies, and then he rises from the dead. And he's given a glorified body, and eventually, 40 days or so after that, he rises and goes to heaven. That's what we get to do because of what Christ did for us. So if Christ doesn't come back, we talked about this in 1 Thessalonians, if Christ doesn't come back until after we're dead, we're going to die from something. And our bodies will be laid in the ground or some people might be cremated. Some people might be tossed out to sea. But then when Christ comes back, he's going to raise those people to physical life, join them with their spirit who he's already given spiritual life to back when they accepted him, and they're going to go to heaven just like Jesus did, in their bodies, glorified. If we're alive when it happens, it just happens. Because it happened to Jesus, we receive that same glory. Talking about heaven. So as I close, I want to use verses 16 and 17 as our takeaways. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, the first one is this. How should we respond to this? How do we How do we respond as Christians to the knowledge that, that God cherishes us, that he loves us, that he died for us, that when we die on this earth, we're going to go spend eternity in heaven? People have asked me, you know, hey, how are you doing, Harold, with your dad passing away? And yeah, it's a, you know, it's a bummer that he's gone. I loved hanging out with the guy. He's just a, he was an awesome dad. But he's in heaven. I, I wouldn't want him to come back. I'm going to miss him, yeah. But. So first, we need to stand firm and hold to God's teaching. We need to trust God's heart. To stand firm, it means to, to be firmly committed in conviction and belief. Our minds and our hearts are telling us all sorts of things that we should do when we go through difficult times. We need to shut that down because we don't know what we should do, how we should respond, and we should stand firm and and hold to the traditions. Now, when he's talking about traditions here, he's talking about what Paul and Peter and those who wrote the Bible is talking about. He's not talking about those who started religions, even Christian religions, where they added their thoughts and their ideas no, it's what the Bible teaches. And so we hold on to that. We, wipe, we push away what we're thinking and how we think we should do it and say, no, I want to do it that way. I really do, but I can't. i got to do it the way God wants me to do it because this is truth. This is the right way. And so when we do that, why? Because He cherishes us. He cares about us. He loves us. He's not going to hurt us. And then we need to allow that to comfort and strengthen us. God will give us what we need through His Word, through His Holy Spirit, and through His church family. He'll give us what we need, and that will comfort us, and it will strengthen us, and it will allow us to do what God wants us to do in the face of whatever it is that comes our way. As the band comes up, <coughs> excuse me, as the The band comes up. I just want to say one more thing. It's not up on the screen. But if you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I would love to have that in my life. It only takes for you to have that conversation with God. Your heart to God's heart and just say, hey, God, forgive me for my sin. I know I'm separated from you but forgive me and I, I believe. And believe just means you're trusting your spiritual life to God. you not trusting yourself. You're trusting what God says. And what God says is, Jesus took your eternal punishment. So just say, God, forgive me of for my sin. Um, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. and I'm trusting in him and him alone for salvation. Your heart to God's heart. Conversation. We call it prayer. It's just a conversation. And if you pray that prayer, if you have that conversation and tell somebody in your family, you can come tell me, but make that definite. Know that salvation that He offers. Logan.